0: Hey, what's up? This is the Flyover Libertarian Podcast, where two unimportant people from an unimportant place give you the opinion that you didn't ask for. I'm Ioan Cap, and I'm the Rural Rothbard.
1: Today, we're talking about decentralization,
0: and of course, we're joined. We should introduce our guest. We're joined by our friend DeRibley from deep within the dark web.
2: It's nice to be back. Thanks for
0: having me, guys. Whereas. As you called it, Darabelli. We've been like pronouncing it completely different this whole time. That's cool.
2: I avoid pronouncing it just uh, so that there's that confusion.
1: (laughs) Hey, Dirigible. How you doing? I am full of hot air. I wanted to talk about decentralization as a design pattern because with Darabelli's conversation last time, we could see reasons why it's so useful in money and economics um and we also just see that in outside of money we see it in economics because it's um it responds to consumer preferences way better than than a, a centralized coordinated effort ever could uh, the the thought that kicked this off was uh Joel Salatin is a uh he's a farmer essentially and he went on the Joe Rogan Podcast again, uh a couple weeks ago, and the reason they had him on was to talk about the food system, and his complaint is that the food system has become highly centralized, and it's become very dependent on just a few processors that now we're seeing when those processors can't operate, uh, even if there's supply and there's demand, we can't get our product through, and they've been having to kill hogs um. In the industry, and so that got me thinking. His his vision for that industry is very decentralized. He wants uh, chickens and eggs in every neighborhood. And one one stat he had actually was that if one in three households in the U.S. had uh, chickens in their backyard, we could actually put the egg industry out of business. There wouldn't need to be an extra egg industry if one out of three households had. That's not necessarily his goal, but. That's to illustrate a point that um, when you decentralize um, an industry, like it, it's possible to decentralize an industry that much. It, it has other environmental benefits that, if, you, if you're interested in that, definitely go listen to his interview there, where he just he can list off all these things about the interconnected system that decentralized nature of uh, an egg industry would would bring about just through. Um, the way it's designed. And I know that that's true for a lot of things in life, so does anything similar come to mind?
2: For me, the, the first thing I think of is the irony of talking about something being designed and also being decentralized. Like, properly done, a decentralized system can't be designed at all. I mean, it has to come out, has to grow naturally um, with nobody in charge, um, with no... Um, centralized input. Um, which I think is why humans are so bad at it. Um, yeah. Because we like to be in charge of things. We legitimately think that our view of the world is the right one. I think that I know good and evil, and therefore the world needs to hear my opinion on good and evil. Um, which. When you get into the meme world, that is actually what brings about the Karens, um, where there is, there is somebody out there um, who, who sees something happening and has decided that it is unacceptable. And it is therefore so unacceptable that they, they feel it is their duty um, to, to report it to whatever the authorities are so that the bad thing that they have deemed bad... Um, ends and uh, the good thing that they've decided is good can continue Um, and you know humans are just fantastically terrible at letting somebody else live their own life
0: i think you know it's interesting that yeah you're you're getting into that and and, um uh or or it's interesting what you're getting at is kind of like a uh like it's it's really at the heart of both like leftist and again, I mean in the, the large, the big government leftist and also in the neoconservative, um, pushes this idea that what's right here must be right somewhere else. And it's not okay to, like live and let live is never okay. Right. It's if, if, um, mm-hmm. if things aren't exactly the way it, we think it should be, we're going to make it that way. And, um, I think it's somewhat ironic for us as, uh, like, we're all here Christians to be talking about, like, you know, we know what good and evil is. And yet we're also like, and so I'm sure someone who's been following our page or our podcast would say, wait, aren't you guys being a little bit hypocritical? Um, And I think maybe there's a, there's something to that of like, um, there is a tendency, I think, especially among Christians to then baptize these preferences to say um either either on the like you could call it the pro-western civilization right or the uh the the social justice left to be like these preferences or this vision of the way i think the world should work we're going to baptize this and call it a christian virtue when the fact is there's a lot of like there is a lot of like gray area like uh, about um Okay, so like I, I once was talking to a pastor about evangelism and uh, he had he, we had just been in a conversation where he led with a certain opening line that for him was still a lead-in to, to presenting the gospel. And afterwards he asked me, so like, what were you thinking about that? And I said, well, I don't know if I would have led with that opening line. And really all I was thinking was like, that's just not the way I would do it. It probably, with, with the way I talk and the way I um, think, it probably wouldn't have sounded right coming from me. And immediately he kind of went on the defensive, like, so what, you think it's you have a better way? Like, I don't know, this is just a preference thing, man. I, like, the, the whole point is there's different ways to get at the same thing. And it's going to work differently for one person than for another. Now just expand that to community level." And that's kind of how decentralization works. There's things that are going to work in one community that are not going to work in another. Um, again, I'm going right back to my, to my wheelhouse of the church, but there's some things that I've made work at one church that flop in another. Right? And it's not because it was a good or a bad idea or because the people here are stupid, but they got it over there. It's because certain things will work in certain communities with certain personalities, certain people involved, that are not going to work in other areas. Which is why the United States of America is such a stupid idea. Like, (laughs) it's just a stupid idea. Like, one law of the land to cover the entire, like, this massive continent? That's so dumb. It just does not make sense. You know, with all these people with different situations and different thoughts and views it's just i don't i don't know i just don't know that it works
2: you know, pessimistically speaking the united states of america can't work not because you know it was poorly set up not because it's improperly implemented it can't work because there are humans involved um and it, i mean it will you know unless jesus comes back first the united states is gonna end um someday hopefully it'll be peaceable hopefully the uh you know, hopefully the, the secession movement will happen and uh, things will just... Uh, but on the other hand, you know, the last couple of days have shown us that uh, this could end really very violently. Um, people will die.
1: Going back to the church then, uh, Josh, is... I think one, one criticism people have of the church is that it's so decentralized and um, so many different denominations. In a way, that could be considered a, a feature and not a bug. Do you see, um, do you see that as as a as a feature and not a bug? I mean, if we're if we're all humans, humans aren't perfect. Is it better to have a decentralized uh, denominational system than one single uh, capital C church that 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 hands down?
0: Well, I mean. This is where I can only speak from my perspective. I'm a Baptist, and so, <clears throat> so yeah, I actually do think it's a, a feature, um, not a bug. I think because this is, uh, you know, uh, at the heart of the Baptist ecclesiology is that the church exists on the local level. Like that's where the church exists. We believe that an individual church. This is why in Baptist churches, it is the local church that ordains a pastor, not the denomination. So I was ordained by a local church in South Dakota where I was serving. That's where I was ordained. And that ordination, other churches kind of look at that and they'll acknowledge that ordination, but I was ordained by that church. Um, We went through a denomination, or not a denomination, even technically that's not correct. Baptists are not denominational, they're associational. Um. Voluntary. Yeah, exactly. We went through an association and we got feedback from them. Like I, I went before a ordination recommendation committee, their recommendation committee. Their job was to recommend me or not. But in the end, the local church could do whatever they want. Now, because whoa, whoa, whoa! I don't associate. understand.
1: If you don't have a central authority <clears throat> making you get along, how are you just not like constantly fighting wars with yeah, each other? Yeah, isn't that
0: interesting? Because I've never heard of a situation where the recommendation committee comes back and says, "We don't recommend this person for ordination." of the church said, "Well, screw you. We're doing it anyway." You know, some some local churches don't have an association and will just ordain or not ordain whoever they want. But usually uh people most people like at least most serious people notice you're clear of those churches um but but yeah isn't that isn't that remarkable? like there is no governing bylaw saying that we had to take this recommendation committee, and in fact, this recommendation committee did actually come back to me and say, Well, first, we need you to rewrite um your denominational statement like there's, there's places where they wanted me to rewrite it um and I could have at that point been like no, <laughs> you know, but I did, I, I took their recommendation. We went back, we, we rewrote it and um, ultimately they did obviously recommend me and I was ordained and uh, yeah, and it's interesting because like, yeah, you're, it's like you say, um, a lot of times when we talk about this voluntary society, we'll talk about things like regular, regulatory bodies that will rise up, that will be non-governmental and yet people will still listen to them. Well, it's because people don't want to die. And so they're going to look for regulating agencies who they trust. Like, this, this is a good agency. They do the science. They do the math. They look at the stats, and they tell you whether or not a drug is safe. And, and uh, you know, but I like this if, agency, so I go and, to them. And if the agency is wrong then
2: the the people who are supporting that agency who are interacting with that agency will over time say wait a minute No, i'm going to go to this other agency i'm going to go to this other agency opposed to what happens right now where the, the governmental agency that exists when it goes wrong they just throw more money at it um and they make it worse um whereas if you can just slowly you know dry it out one by one people leaving the ship um then there is that built in, I guess, incentive structure uh, where the agency is in charge of creating those regulations, but they're completely unenforceable unless the people agree to abide by them. So the, the, the agency is creating regulations that work the best for the industry um, while also advocating for whatever they are, you know, proper theology or safety or efficiency or whatever they exist for.
0: And, you know, it's interesting that there are certain, you know, there's a lot of, like, knee slap or or, or knee jerk Catholics who will be like, the Reformation is the worst thing to happen to Christendom. But, honestly, there are some, uh, I guess you could call them, like, some more honest Catholic historians who would say, and you know what, the result of the Reformation is the Catholic Church, which had gotten pretty lax, had to get its act together. Like so, there's a very concrete example of where uh, competition benefited both sides.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, ultimately, I don't think that they reformed rightly, otherwise I would join them. But that's part of association of, of decentralizations. I I chose a different side than them. I don't think that they're right, and so I chose a different side. I chose the Baptist side, and I also could have joined the Presbyterian side, but instead I joined the Baptist side. Like there's there are lots of options and that does sharpen you know it's that old proverb right iron sharpens iron there are you know when when there's a multiple um denominations de- debating which is getting christianity right um it does sharpen one another and honestly it keeps one another honest because i think you know it's it's funny whenever anyone throws out the whole protestants have so many thousands of different denominations it, it it's overstating the difference. A lot of times the difference is on side issues. Like if my, when I'm, I'm messaging my Lutheran pastor friend or my reformed pastor friend or my Presbyterian friend, when we get down to like the question, okay, so how does a person get saved? We're all on the right. We're all on the same page. You know, we don't, we're not arguing over the center there's these side issues that we think each other is wrong about, you know, and, and I yeah. But, so yeah. I
2: just came up with like a, 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 a slightly heretical um example of that, um, where oh, watch it
0: I might call your pastor.
2: No, no, that's I got his it number. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like um, all the bars downtown where. Like, they all have their own clientele. There's the upscale ones. There's the wine bars. There's the places that serves the rednecks. Um, but at their core, they serve beer, a good time, and maybe some really terrible food. Um, and that's, that's, what they, that's what they do. Um, and uh, the, my understanding of the Christian church as a whole is, yeah, we can argue forever about, you know, when they're not supposed to stand up when the, when the scripture is read. Um, but none of that is a salvation issue. None of that matters in the context of eternity, and we're all—well, we're not usually serving beer, but we're we're all focused on on the core things that we actually, you know, care about.
0: Yeah, and and I think there's something to that of like uh, also, you know, just because we're saying to bring it back to the first topic. Just because we're saying we'll decentralize everything doesn't mean everything is going to look completely different. Like I think that's some of the the worry sometimes is like it's so we're we're saying we're going to decentralize into lots of little communities and they're all going to put walls and no one's going to be able to pass between city to city. Suddenly you're stuck in your own little territory. Uh, I mean you know like Germany before it was a unified nation was lots of little communities and little sub-regions that all had their own local customs and local identities, and yet they were German. They were all still German, and they had um, things in common that they would pass between uh, the the cities, and, and, um, yeah, they would look different. They would have different food, probably would wear different clothes, but there was enough commonalities that there would still be commerce, and ultimately I think that is really... um, what will hold together a decentralized world is commerce, like the fact that they have to do business with someone else. Like if you want oranges, you got to do business with Florida. Just gotta.
2: <laughs> no, like the commerce thing um, is interesting because, really, in order to um, in order to have some sort of commerce, you have to have Three things uh, in my, you know, wise understanding of commerce. Um, you have to have a way to, a way to transact. Either it's barter or you have to have some, some form of money. Um, you have to have some way to communicate, um, be that a language or just numbers written on a piece of paper. Um, you have to be able to communicate. Um, um, some modicum of trust. You have to be able to trust the other person. Um, you don't have to trust them. For a second longer than than the transaction but you have to be able to trust the person to some extent and y- your trust might go as far as the fact that you're you know packing heat and if anything goes wrong at least at least you'll get out um but there has to be some way um and um the, the language uh the form of currency or barter and the trust they can kind of um interchange Whereas if you share a common language, it's easy to establish trust. Um, whereas if you don't share a common language, it's less easy to establish trust. However, if you don't speak the same language, but you both highly value a certain currency, it's, it's easy to establish trust um, through that currency. Um, and it just seems to be that uh, commerce in general, I guess my entire point is that commerce in general um, requires those three. But not in equal amounts, um, and it highly, highly varies.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, to get back to your to your uh, area of expertise, um, it seems like that's actually another one of the um, benefits of Bitcoin, right? Like that it's, there is a there is a trust but verify effect to it. Like if I remember right, you talking about how like you mm-hmm. can you can track down. Uh, the Bitcoin, you, like, you can know if this person who is buying something from you is trustworthy, you know, like, you can, you can, uh...
2: mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's... Well, no, no, I can, I can assume that that person is oh. untrustworthy. Um, and, and the, the Bitcoin code itself um, performs that sort of mediation, where I can assume that this person is trying to scam me. They send me some Bitcoins, and I can... Verify that the bitcoins are right, real, right, that the right. bitcoins are trustworthy, even if that person is a liar. Um, and it, um, it honestly, it, 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 you know, um, takes the burden of trust from the individuals and puts it on the currency itself, right. um, in a completely decentralized, um, fashion where I don't have to trust anyone, um, to honor anything, just as long as the, the bitcoins that are in my wallet are. Actually, there and my node says that they're real. Um, then I can assume that everyone is out to get me, and I'll still be okay. Yeah,
0: I mean that's that's great. Like that does take trust out of the equation on one side. Yeah, I mean there's still the trust of having to be like, is this person gonna send me what they what I just paid for? Which you know that that goes right. beyond the the capabilities of Bitcoin. That's <laughs> it's beyond that's, the currency. That's where the yeah. uh, regulatory. Yeah. <laughs> a voluntary regulatory body is going to come in, like, if this person has a a good mm-hmm. rating in whatever. Um, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's really the crazy thing, though, is that, like, eBay and Amazon have basically solved that. Like, that, you, if you were to buy something, it, it would basically never happen that you would pay for it, and it would never get sent to you.
0: Yeah, it was always a risk buying anything on the internet, because it was like... Like I remember once I ordered something from eBay and I had to go get a traveler's check just to make sure this person didn't uh, scam me, you know. And so that I still have those Trigun DVDs on my shelf that I bought with a traveler's check that I got from Come and Go. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like guess it's, it's true. Like there, there is, but a lot of that guesswork has been taken out because of yeah trustworthy mediators. And I know there, yeah, Amazon has other issues. Um, as often happens when a corporation gets big enough where they can start buying politicians. But uh, the reason it got big is because it did kind of, um, as a mediator, it took the issue of common language and even, some, to some extent, common currency out of it, like by being that mediator. And, and I don't have to trust the person I'm buying a product from. I trust Amazon
2: right and you don't have to think about what currency the person i mean you can buy from spain and you don't have to you, you don't care you know you buy in us dollars that person gets their money amazon takes care of the rest
0: um, yeah and and that's and that's where like um it always feels like we're 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 zooming off topic but it really does come back to the decentralizations is that even as the possibility of getting around the world has become more possible. This actually contrary to what some may say actually makes decentralization more possible. Like we don't, we don't have to form big trade agreements with multinational conglomerations, you know, like we can, through trusted mediators, we can just live in our own town. Like we don't have to, um, yeah, like just decentralization is more possible now than it ever was because our need for someone to keep an eye on the overseas has gone down.
1: And that's really important now because uh I think r- rural life has seen the effects of centralization uh in a more negative ways than urban life has. But now because of technology like that I think rural life and small towns actually have more of a chance to, to recoup that. Um, one example is just the ability to be anywhere, like you are talking about. And to, it, like, it doesn't matter where you are anymore, and that's inherently decentralizing.
2: And it really limits um, government's abilities um, to do anything coercive. Because if I can make my money on a computer which I'm aware there is a significant portion of the world's population that can't do that. Uh, But for the ones that can, I don't have to be in Iowa. I don't have to be in Florida. I don't have to be in the United States. You know, I can be anywhere as long as I have the internet connection. And if the government um, that I am under is taxing me too heavily or has opinions that I don't like, I can just leave. Um, And it's, I mean, it's decentralizing if you will civil wars where you know i am seceding or perhaps i should say it's decentralizing secession where i can secede as an individual and go find some other country that suits my needs um and ultimately hopefully will um force governments to provide services um you know that are that are uh, uh, worth the cost that they charge um because if they don't, people will go to where where
0: they're where it is. And and you know like there's even like you know, oh my gosh, like VPNs where I can secede from a country t- s- technically without even moving, right? I mean, there's there's a sense in which I could, <laughs> I you know, my computer could be in Bulgaria while I'm sitting in Iowa. You know, like there's the the the. And I think this is really where we are seeing kind of government starting to freak out about their inability to control us because it's more and more impossible. Like the, the, the internet, you know, when Al Gore invented the internet, he he let something out of the box that he wasn't able to contain, you know?
2: (laughs) And you will see the panic in the government more and more as they try to fight pretty much the core of any of this is encryption technology. Um, they will try to make it evil, illegal, um, inaccessible, whatever it takes to make it so that they can watch the people. Um, and VPNs are great, but those are run by companies. They are, VPNs are actually centralized. Um, and uh, there are some VPNs that uh, claim to be outside of the control of what's called the five eyes. Uh, the the governments that have a a surveillance agreements it's i believe the u.s canada the uk australia new zealand um and they share data on their people with each other um and so they're like their vpn's based in switzerland vpn's based in the you know the cayman islands or whatever um but even so they are still centralized all all the information is running through their servers um and uh that is a point of failure the problem with anything that's centralized is there is a point of failure um and given enough incentive and it will always reach the point where the governments feel that they have the incentive um those central point of failures become the, the point of attack they might survive but that that becomes the point that the government's focus on um there are other ways of doing it um if you're familiar with tor um that is a uh, um it is a decentralized net. yeah it really is i mean if you want to access the dark net um you actually have to use tor um or do other things that's way beyond above my comprehension so i just stick with tor um but it's a decentralized way of anonymizing internet traffic um where your your uh request to see that web page um whether it's legal or illegal um is uh encrypted sent along anywhere three four five six seven different computers across the world nobody knows who's requesting it nobody knows where it's going um and it is uh, functionally um unseizable information once you're done you close your browser window it's gone nobody will ever find it Um, vpns are good but that's the centralized um first step option there there's more and the, the end point is that as governments uh, crack down on encryption itself, um, centralized systems will begin to crumble um, and will begin to have to uh, bow to the new rules or else the government will just shut them down. Um, and the decentralized options, um, running encryption on your own computer and then just sending the encrypted text in a normal email um, is much better than using a centralized um, encrypted email provider. Um, because then the only way to break that encryption is to steal your computer. Um,
1: Did you read uh, about the uh, um military encryption company that actually was like infiltrated by U.S. intelligence for decades and decades and decades, and they legitimately sold encryption technology to foreign countries under the guise that this was uncrackable. Wow, and I believe this was in the post-World War II era, and it was during the Soviet era, but the Soviets didn't trust this company. I forget which company in Europe it was, but um, the Soviets wouldn't buy from this company, but all these other countries, like the second world countries, were buying from them, essentially, and Mm -hmm. and the the Western intelligence was able to, like for decades, they were able to read their messages. Yeah, Um, that wouldn't Yeah, which is why decentralization is so important for that. You need to understand your technology and you need to uh, um, be in control of it. Yeah, But like you were saying, encryption is the backbone for all of those decentralization enabling technologies. Um, and that's one thing they're trying to take away. We've seen threats of using the Section 230 pr- protections, taking those away um, if, if companies won't, won't let them do what they want to do.
2: Yeah, um, and so at that point, the uh, journalists or anybody are forced to make the choice between what's legal and what's right, um, uh, where if, if, the, if the protections, the legal protections are taken away, the technology still exists. You know, If using encryption is illegal, encryption still exists, um, and it still can be done. Um, and then people are forced um, to, uh, to figure out where they stand on that issue. If you guys haven't read it yet, um I highly recommend Edward Snowden's book, uh, Permanent Record. Um it, oh, um Yeah, I was meaning to look into that. Pretty it, good. It's really um humanizing because all you know about this guy is yeah. he leaked NSA files and is now stuck in Russia. The government hates him because that's what governments do. His and, interviews you know,
1: are really
0: really and that's humanizing.
1: That's
2: what you know. Um and uh It's just, he he talks about his life. He talks about how he got into computers. He talks about, you know, how he got into contracting for the NSA. I mean, it just walks. It's just a narrative. It's just a biography. And it reads really well. It's easy. It's funny. Um, And then, like, the last four or five chapters just hit you like a ton of bricks. And you realize this guy was, like, 29 when he was doing it. He's my age. Here I am complaining about my job working in aviation um and he's he's leaking government secrets um for the for the public's good and it's just really you know it, it, it puts things into perspective um both as a christian and just as a human um but it's just fascinating and then all of a sudden you're like wow i really care about this encryption stuff i'm gonna go learn it um which is kind of what happened for me
0: To kind of summarize everything we've been going through, you know, it's about, you know, big one-size-fits-all never works. Like, there's just individuals are different, areas are different, and the more we trust those standing over those big entities— the more power they get, the less trustworthy they be. We didn't even get to get into the issue of I trust my mayor of a small town more than I trust any senator or whatever because I know that that mayor still has a business he needs to run, and he still needs to keep uh keep the townspeople on his side and keep keep them coming to his restaurant. But. Um, the bigger the powers get, and the, as you as you keep saying, the more centralizing it becomes, the the scarier it becomes. The more power, like you know, Lord Byron, not Lord Byron, Lord Acton. <laughs> he didn't write poetry. He talked about po- politics and economics. Uh, Lord Acton, you know, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. the The more power you get, the the harder it is or the easier it is to abuse that power and um as my friend who challenged me when the patriot act was first being passed back when i was a w supporting red-blooded evangelical neocon uh as he as he pointed out to me and challenged me way back when well it's fine as long as the nice guy's in control what about the next guy what if he's not as nice maybe maybe you trust whatever party you support to be in control of this great power they're not going to be in control forever